Hey, everybody, welcome back to Two Lovecraft and Back. And we are here. It is a new year. So, first of all, happy new year to everybody. Happy new year to Open Lab Media as well, housing us. Happy new year to my co host, Aaron. What's up, man? How you been? Oh, oh I am doing ecstatic, amazing, all those wonderful buzzwords. I am just so glad to be back to talk about more episodes of my favorite show and all things Lovecraft. You know how it is. Yes, I am excited because we have had a little break. We've been, uh, we actually have another segment with a podcast called More Diversity, and we have been doing a lot of things with that. So if you can, if you're listening, catch us on YouTube. Every Wednesday between 8.15 and 8.30, we go live for about an hour, 45 minutes, two hours. We have been having some different topics. You can go back and see what we have done. So, yeah, uh, today we're going to talk about episode five. And this is Strange Cases. And I've been excited about this one because of how this went down. Um, Miss Ruby finally gets her, you know, her her solo part in this series and we get to finally get some deepness with her. Um, Cause I feel like leading up to this episode, we haven't really seen that much of Ruby. We've only seen, you know, little sprinkles of Ruby here and there. And I feel like this was the time for her. Well, at this time on this episode, this was the opportunity for her character to have some type of development, some type of depth, some type of emotion. So yeah, let's get into it. So the way this episode opens up is you see this woman, this white woman sprawled out on this bed, this circular bed and everything, and she's just, you know, waking up, kind of confused, kind of dazed, and in actuality, this woman is Ruby, and we see her go through this transformation of this white woman back into Ruby. And I mean, it is a gruesome transformation because you see the rippings of the limbs, the skin, everything, blood is leaking out. So we see this transformation of Ruby and this white woman. How was you feeling about this opening scene? Because, you know, this introduced... Oh, boy. <laughs> being a um, loved the twist. Love. I just love how um, we, you know, we first open up with this white woman. I'm thinking we're going to have this, you know, story about some woman who's going to uncover the secrets with the magic and the witches. And she's going to have to run to Atticus and Lady and all that. I'm thinking this is a whole different type of episode. And then just to see that transformation happen, I'm like, what? Yeah, and, you know, and I think that's just that's a testament. You're gonna I, if if it hasn't come apparent to you at this moment, listeners, this is what happens every time I watch an episode of Lovecraft Country. You think it's gonna go one way, and no, we don't get that. And I just I love that. You know, there's always a twist and a turn, mm-hmm. and you know, I think with Ruby of all characters who we've known to be this very outspoken, you know, pro-black, you know. Um, sister and character of uh, Letty, you know, she just, you know, it's good to see her have a day in the life episode, but also um, a deeper, you know, um, 
character study, if you will. And it is, I think it's a very interesting take to take like your pro black character and, you know, pick them apart. It just, yeah. but knowing that that's, we, we go into a lot of other things. I just, it's a very interesting episode. Yes, it is very interesting because I mean, after the transformation, you know, she takes her shower. Well, you know, William comforts her and cares for her and, you know, prepare her and tries to calm her down on what had just happened. Cause you know, previous episode, he did give her that potion and told her, you know, I can give you everything you want or you can have everything you want. And, you know, that's what, not this, I don't think it's necessarily what she wanted, but she did want to feel, you know, like you say, on the other side of society or on the other side of how things were. So, you know, she having that opportunity to become another person, you know, she didn't embrace it at first, but then when she, when he really broke it down to her and basically I love the analogy that he used, it was almost like it was the, uh, you know, a caterpillar turns into a cocoon and then it turns into a Mm -hmm. butterfly. And I feel like that theme, that is the theme of this episode, because once we talk about Montrose, we can also bring that back into fruition where, you know, these are caterpillars transforming into the cocoons and being to themselves or, you know, working on themselves or holding on to things that they've been processing and then blossoming into whatever that they, you know, their resolution is. So, I mean... I also kind of feel like it It sort of, I also feel like it, it sort of, you know, took two characters that, you know, were basically known as the, the harsh ones of the show. And, you know, we get to see, you know, basically like a mirroring story. We get to see two different sides of their characters, but also, you know, with Montrose, we get a more natural sort of exploration into who he is and what he's about. And Ruby just makes a deal with the devil, basically. Right. Like automatic. You know, deal. I like, just, yeah. I just think that's really interesting how they, you know, they told this, you know, story and like you have these, you know, our main characters with Lydia and Atticus, they're kind of just being flies on the wall this episode. Oh yeah. Because I feel like they have, I mean, no shade. They have carried this show from episode one, the both of them. Yeah. I mean, and if George was still here, I feel like the three of them will still be carrying the show right now. But Letty and Tick have been carrying the show up until now. And so it's kind of, you know, I'm not saying that it's kind of refreshing to not see them right now. And we, we do get to see them in this episode when they have conflict about what situation happened on the last episode. How Montrose killed Yama and you know, mm-hmm. Tick beat the <laughs> Tick beat the crap out of his dad. I mean, like once again, I said I have a soft spot for Montrose because that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like you know, we, well, we can actually talk about it. She, Letty, was like, you know, what if he did that to protect us from whatever you know, the sons of Adam are trying to do to you. So that was a thought. Like, what if he, you know, what if he did, you know, kill this person because right. he was trying to protect you? But right. you know, I think that's an overarching. It. I think that's a oh, 
See, now we let's get on take for a minute because I think an overarching story. You know, it's it's never an episode if I'm not getting on tick. Uh, it's it's all out of love. I just I need him to get it together. But I feel like you know we get to we get to a point every every episode since episode two that Montrose is just protecting his son. Yeah, mm-hmm. because he's been, you know, it's obvious he's been with the sons of Adam for a good minute, so he knows how they operate. He knows what they're doing. You know, it could he could even know what Christina's planning, and he's trying to protect him, but Tick ain't having that. You know, Tick is so headstrong, and I think that is just really good writing because you get to see, you know, both of you know, Montrose and Tick, father and son, they're the exact same in terms of hot-headedness and how they want to protect. They just approach it two different ways, but, you know, they just, oh my God, Tick, I need you to get it together. Come on, man. Tick is, a, I think, I think what it is with Tick is because if, let's let's talk about the theme real quick. The theme is, yes. you know, metamorphosis and butterflies, right. and, you know, embracing and holding on and, you know, I just feel like Tick has held on everything that he's been through, especially in these last couple of episodes, you know, he's and I we said it last time, yes, he act like everything has happened to him, but for his own personal character art, he has you know, been through a lot but also yeah. held on to a lot that's made him act ways that he shouldn't be acting so, I do Absolutely. get you he do need to come on because I be I be looking at him like come on man like yeah. chill out right and you know what right. else that reminds me of it reminds me of Tom Cruise's character from Eyes Wide Shut anyway here you go, here you go with this Eyes Wide Shut <laughs> I still ain't watched that movie I'm I'm gonna watch it I'm gonna watch that Fresh Eyes Eyes Wide Shut <laughs> um continuing let's talk about how you know. She takes that Ruby takes that potion again and she basically she embraces more of, you know, let's say the grass is green on the other side, being white on the other side, you know, how it is on the other side. I mean, she's walking down hysterically, uh, you know, she that part, that scene where she's coming down and they they blame the fact that this kid Mm. was attacking Mm -hmm. her and it wasn't really you know her attacking he wasn't attacking her she Mm -hmm. was just you know afraid because of what she was going through and everything and like being in this body and being you know in this new found body and everything but you know when she fully embraces it the second time with the potion and you know she's comfortable with it you know she's walking around as Hillary and everything, she, you know, talking to the police and, you know, she go into the ice cream shop and they give her a little free ice cream and stuff. She has <laughs> basically no worries, no nothing mm-hmm. to worry about because she is on this other side of the land. And then she goes to the department store that as Ruby, she would not get hired at. And when she does her interview and everything, she gets what hired, but also is told that she is overqualified for the position of just, you know, sales associate or cashier. She gets presented as assistant manager in this newfound body as Hillary. So I feel like in her mind, I feel like this is not like a psychological trap or anything like this, but this is like a psychological psychological session for Ruby because yes right. it's Ruby but on the outside it's Hillary so 
I felt like it was almost like triggering and like not triggering, but also like um, I feel like it was messing with her at the same time because you know mm-hmm. she could not get that job, you know, and then she saw that other right. black lady that who already had got hired and then find out that she is, you know not in didn't go to school and everything like that just has a high school diploma and you know ruby has education ruby has a resume so it's like to get hired in this newfound body that is a white woman's body i know like you can tell like that that's like i feel like that was like mind tricks on her brain in the inside but you know it also you know oh sorry for cutting you off you know you good you good Also, you know, it just, I think, you know, that really speaks on how, I I think every Black person's heard this once in their life, is that it doesn't matter how qualified you are uh, in the the business field, you have to work twice as hard. And, you know, like you were saying, how Ruby has all of the qualifications to have her be assistant manager, she's still trying to get crumbs, basically, at a department store, you know, like, this is that dynamic that that dynamic and the shift just isn't there for her and it's very unfair you know obviously within universe but also in real life and i think it just you know we're still dealing with that you know i think that's the worst part of it but in you know within the show universe you know she obviously sticks it to him no pun intended later we'll get on that but how are you dropping bombs already? <laughs> Got to. Got to. But, you know, I just, I feel like knowing, you know, just seeing how she's treated, you know, both as Ruby and as Hillary in two different ways. You know, she can still have the same mannerisms because, you know, every now and then Hillary would do something that Ruby was doing, you know, that Ruby would do. And I think even when she was, you know, hanging out with the white women, you know, and they were talking about the music and the clubs mm-hmm. and going into the you know, the oh, Negro area. Take yeah, it, that was a mess. It'll be like a safari. Right. Yeah. That whole mess. <laughs> but that's that's how they, you know, that's how they feel. Like, that's more power to them, I guess. But it just, you know, we, you know, we've, uh, I think we have come a long way, but we haven't. And I just really enjoy that that's what Misha was really pointing out. Yes. Is that, you know, you can you can plop this into the 90s, today, the 80s, you can plop it into the 30s. It doesn't matter what time frame it is, this still happens. And it just, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've all seen it. You know, and they really even didn't have to say, Ruby didn't have to say, oh, it's because I'm white. We already know, you know, the cues are there. And I just, that, that's a great... Uh, it was a great moment just to show, you know, the, the dynamic shifts and it just ugly, ugly, ugly. Yeah, that was ugly. Um, but yeah, that was a good point. Yeah, Misha and her team are amazing for, you know, pointing things out like that and making it at the forefront of the show. Um, put a pin on Miss Ruby because we do have another character who is, you know, going through his own transformation and his own, you know, his own, you know, things. And that's Mr. Montrose after last episode when they had their journey to the center of the earth, you know, that last episode, episode four ended with him, 
you know, slicing the neck of Yama. And, you know, for me, I was pissed because I honestly, I felt like she was cursed as a as a siren. But I thought we was going to get more of that. And yeah. I was just like tripping. I think we all were. You know, I, I just, I, I still want to know why they did that. Oh yeah, I think you still you still got a thunderstorm over there. <laughs> yeah, yes I do. It's it's so wonderful. Yes, <laughs> for everyone listening, there is a storm happening right where I am in Texas. Three days after it snowed, while it is sixty degrees outside, it's wonderful weather. And that is the weather by anyone from Tacoma, Texas. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, that was good. Um, but yeah, like he's going, I mean, with that situation happening, I was kind of upset because I was like, well, dang. Because when she started screaming in the elevator, I was like, oh, it's a siren because that's what sirens sound like. The mermaids, mm-hmm. I was like, oh. But then this man goes and slices her up, and I'm just like, okay. But he has repercussions from that because Tick is pissed, hot, mad, beats his daddy to a pulp, black says, ah, bruises his nose, all of the above. Tick, I'm going to tell you now, you were, you, you have from, you ain't have to beat your dad up like that. Like, God, Jonathan Majors, sir, pull back a little bit. Nah, but he beat him up bad and that made Montrose go into his cocoon. He had to separate himself from them to really deal with that emotional to unpack that emotional damage that had just happened that he did to them and that what his son did to him. So the only person that he could go to was Sammy who owns the bar that we see at the beginning of the show that his dad will always be at. So we see him go back and he's bruised up and everything. Sammy is just confused, but they embrace each other. You know, they have their moment. And, you know, I feel like when they're having a moment and the stuff, the stuff hits the fan of climax. And I feel like the reason that Montrose cried, because I saw a lot of comments about him crying in that, some were jokes, some were not. Some were, I felt mm-hmm. like the reason that he cried because that was the only person that he could run to. Who can I run to? That's why. Um, <laughs> that was the only person that he could run to after that happened, after his son just, you know, beat him up. And then the damage that he's done by killing this source that could help his son and them figure out what they can do with the sons of Adam and the book of Adam and all this, that. Mm -hmm. And he's really just, you know, that's the only person he can go to because that's the only person that he's probably been, you know, telling all his secrets to or really been like opening up to and things like that because I feel like that's the reason why he he cried when he had that moment because, you know, Mm -hmm. that was the only person he could run to at that time. So, but... The shocker was that when Sammy tried to embrace him with a kiss, he was like, nah, bruh. Like it cut yeah. like 
it was right off. He was back to Montrose, and you know mm-hmm. that was it. But what I like about this whole segment with Montrose and Sammy is that we get to see Montrose in this cocoon, and we get to see Sammy embrace him a little more and try to comfort him in his time of need because that's what he needed after the everything that they've been through these last four episodes, he needed some type of comfort because at that point he did not have nobody. So, you know, we see Sammy being introduced, seeing Sammy introduce him to all his, uh, cause we found out Sammy is a drag performer. Um, mm-hmm. I really love that because, you know, I, myself, I do drag. So to see that in a show in this time period, you know, it was, you know, it resonated with me as somebody in, the time that we are now that it was happening back then and they were still just living their lives and doing what they do. But we see, you know, Sammy preparing for his show and everything. And you see Montrose over on the side, just, you know, seeing Sammy truly embrace who he is. And I think for this part, we, it was more encouraging. Sammy was more encouraging for Montrose at this, at this point, because it was basically saying, break down those walls even though everything has happened to you, you are now around people who care about you, who are safe. These are my friends, basically, and they know who I am, and I am your lover, and I embrace you for who you are. Mm-hmm. So how are you feeling about the um, whole yeah. versus, you know, Montrose? Honestly, and- that, you broke that down so perfectly. Uh, kudos to you, sir. Um, yeah, that was my, like, I yeah. love, like, that's why I said yeah. I have a soft spot for my trust, because this is, <laughs> yeah. when I said the last episode, this is what I was talking about because of him going into this this phase of his Definitely. life. So. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah, I think it's very interesting how you noted how Montrose went in his cocoon while Ruby was basically, you know, in contrast, Ruby was getting out of her cocoon. Like, I really, you know, you you point that out. But I think what really elevated uh, that scene where he went to Sammy was using Frank Ocean's Bad Religion. Mm-hmm. Like, that just, that, you know, that something about using that particular song just because of the subject matter, you know, yeah. it's so heavy. And you have this beautiful moment where Montrose is just free and himself. Like that just, that was, that was a very well-directed scene. Like choreo, like everything, everything was just really great. And, you know, you, and even with just the song, you know, you, everything you said about Montrose and Sammy, like everything that was captured without dialogue. Oh yeah, you know you got Definitely. to see all of this, and that just that was so so great. Yeah, you, I really don't know what to say in terms of like what it did for the character because like you hit it. I mean, okay, I ended with this that you know <laughs> when they got to the club and you know Sammy got his crown and you know did his little performance and everything. I was living Period. for the club because I was like, okay, like this is what it was. Back in the day, shout out to Shangela right. on this episode as well. You know, Shangela was on RuPaul's Drag Race. So the fact that to see her grow and be on this and be able to, you know, showcase herself as an artist, as a drag artist and everything. I really thought I appreciate yeah. me for doing that because that is a that's a person that I look up to right now from being on the show and everything on RuPaul. But, you know, when they lift him when they lift Montrose up, you know, he's feeling the beat, he's feeling the music. You can see him just take everything off because he's just like yeah. this. 
you can see him just take every every way everything that was holding him down everything that just made him feel like he couldn't be who he wanted to be or embrace who he he fully when he did like this and they put him up he fully was who he was he embraced who he was the glitter was falling it was everything in that that whole scenario that whole scene was perfection who like Misha, you did it with that because it's just like the elements, like I said, the, the the glitter falling, you know, the music, everybody's so happy and everything. So, you know, kudos to that scene. I Like I said, the reason I said last episode that I have a soft spot for Montrose and I saw somebody say he's still a murderer. Yes, he is still a murderer. And I think we'll learn more about why he did what he did, because I do think he yeah. did it to protect him and his son and his son's, you know, future. So, but yeah, that scene, just him embracing who he was, was another metaphor or theme to this episode of, you know, cocoons, caterpillars, and Absolutely. butterflies. Yeah, and I also think a lot of people, I think this is really good for young uh, young perform, young drag performers and young people in the uh, LGBTQ plus um, area because I, I think there is, even though you do have a lot of education on it, people still don't realize that there were performances like this well before, right. you know, the big ballroom scene in the 80s. Like, it was huge, you know, even back in the 20s and before. Like, this is yes. you know, this is very good, you know, for history. Like, yes, it, it was. Just, it, it's very, very great. Very great stuff. Yes, it was. I yeah, like I said, I enjoyed that whole thing. Um, I was just glad that, you know, I was just happy that Montrose could actually just let that weight off his shoulders and you know, transition into who he needs to be as a person so he can fully succeed throughout the whole rest of the season. Put a pin on that one. Um, back to Miss Ruby. Two nights. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Ruby Two Nights. Uh, <laughs> that's my like. I got it. We have to get a little scene with her saying Two Nights. That thing had me holler because I was just didn't understand why you. She was so mean. Like she's and she's still mean. I was playing. Um, Ruby and Christina are having this conversation. You know, Christina is on. You know, she's still plant, plotting little seeds, and you know, she's still watering stuff, and she wants. She told Ruby, you know, you have to do something for me because, you know, doing I'm giving you this potion or whatever. And William also said the same thing, like, you know, we're doing this for you. You have to do something for us, basically. So Christina wants Ruby to, you know, be a maid and go serve at the police chief's little gathering or whatever. And, you know try to find out some information so that she can, you know, for Christina could have the upper hand on him because I think Christina and him are still beefing. You know, Christina, I think with them two, it's just like they're not trying to touch each other's territory, but Christina is still trying to take over whatever it is that she wants. So, but being at that party and everything, you know, Ruby was over it, especially because she ain't got her potion and she back normal and she just made around all these, all these white people and everything and she's serving mm-hmm. them and then it's the way she kept going, she want this, you know. It was that, you know, <laughs> almost like humiliation because no shade, yeah. she had been in this other body for a good two, three days now, so she done got used to doing this and now she has to revert back to her own self 
And it's because, and then the way that it's played as that you have to be their maid and everything. So, how was you feeling about that whole scenario and everything? Because I'm ready to get to what we saw in that closet. Oh, yeah. I think it was a humbling experience for Ruby. Uh, just a reminder that, at, you know, for like a lot of black people in positions of power, at the end of the day, you're still black. And especially in that time period, you know, you're going to be humiliated and gone through this, you know, sort of uh, situation where you're always degraded. And having her, you know, have this high position and even respect in the black community as Ruby, she's still degraded as a maid. Right. You know, and her just being so over it, I think, you know, that was a that was really funny to me because it's like, yeah, you kind of put yourself in a situation. That's what happens when you make a deal with the devil. Right. But it just yeah, her she that was a good humbling experience for I think I think that was the moment where she kind of snapped back to reality. Yeah. You know, and you know, she could do some good, you know, in positions of power, but also after what she saw in that closet. Right, because I mean she oh, succeeded with what Christina wanted her to do was, you know, put that amulet near, you know, the police chief so he can be weakened and everything like that. She succeeded, but then like you say, in this closet is this man, which we heard this man, I think it was two episodes, maybe it was the episode when I think Christina, somebody had we had heard him mumbling or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then now we get the re- re- the reveal of this man just, just in there and his tongue has been cut off. And then Ruby has to sit in there with this closet because who comes back? <laughs> Mr. Polici, Mr. Head Honcho, Mr. Big, Big Man. You know, he comes back and, you know, they're discussing things. But, you know, a lot of people were shocked about what we see is that, yes, this guy is in the closet and why is he in the closet and everything like that. But then we see the police chief take off his shirt and it's revealed yeah. that he has. I thought he, at first I thought he was a, um, I thought he was an animal, like because I thought it was fur and everything. But then it also made me think about what if he was experimenting on himself of I different body yeah. parts? And everything like yeah. that to keep himself together because of whatever he's doing is already weakening him. So he's using mm-hmm. other things to, you know, keep him together and keep him in this form. At least his because his top half is still his white self, but then his bottom half was hairy and brown. That's all I'm gonna say. Right. Like hairy and brown. Right. I I that took me back to um when we first met Christina, like full on in episode two and what you know, how her father was sewing himself up constantly. Mm-hmm. That, that's what that took me back. I was like, okay, so I, they're obviously trying to come up with something that's going to help them, you know, in the long run. But it was it was very different. But with Ruby in that closet, um, that scene was so tense. Like, I, yeah, it was. I, I, even you, though I, I, I knew, yeah, I knew nothing was going to happen, but it just, it felt like any second they would open up that closet and Ruby be right there and they would do something to her. Right. That, that was a very tense scene. Yeah, because like in my notes, I do have that. The chief changes his shirt and reveals that his chest seems to be stitched together from other skin. So, you know, 
that may be a price of the power that they have is that, you know, they lose something of themselves. Look at Ruby Noshay. She's losing her Mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that is the price of, you know, that magic that they all are trying to seek and everything. Um, Where after that, you know, she gets back to, you know, the house and everything. And, you know, she's safe and sound. But, you know, this I have this right here in my notes. Ruby tells William, I don't know what's more difficult, being color or being a woman. Most days I am happy to be both, but the world keeps interrupting and I'm sick of being interrupted. But she keeps finding herself, whether as Hillary or as Ruby being interrupted or another or either or. Mm. So it's like. Even when you're Ruby, you know, you, as a colored woman, you're still getting ignored. But as a woman, you know, things are getting done. And I think this leads into when we see when they all do go to the South Side Club and, you know, get down and get with the get down and everything. Shout out to uh, the lady who does play uh who does play Hillary because when she did that two kick step and when they was downstairs, when they was like at the break room, she did that little two kick step. I was like, okay, let it move. I give you that. I give you right. that. But also if nobody peeped out, um, let's drop this Easter egg, Aaron. If nobody yes. peeped out that that is the lady that got knocked out. Also who had the dogs when they was at the crazy ordering house Way That's back right. when, what was that, episode two? When they yes. all got to the house and they went down into the city or the little country town and she had those dogs. That's that same lady. Why is that lady now Ruby? Or why is Ruby mm-hmm. transforming transforming into that lady? Like, let's just drop that little Ooh. East so, you know, sounds like a Sounds like it could lead to a bigger plot point, huh? Yeah, it's a plot point that's coming. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't wait to get to that that was, you know, seeing it for the first time, I'm just like, oh, yeah. that's the lady, and you not not knowing mm-hmm. what you're like, oh, that's the lady. So, you know, it's just... Yeah, I had to rewatch it. Yeah, how yeah. It, it was... Everything. It, yeah, it comes together. It it really does. That, I think that's what I love about this show is like, it it's uh, you can do multiple rewatches, and you can still catch something new. Yes, you can every time. Um... But, yeah, she feels this way because, you know, when they're at that club and, you know, she's coming out of that transformation and she looks and she sees her boss trying to sexually assault the other black lady that works with her. And mind you, Ruby had just transformed out of Hillary because they all went as the co-workers and everything. And, you know, she took them over there and everything. And then, like, you know, she comes out of that form and she sees this in this hole. I think our profile picture on our Twitter page is still that picture, too, mm-hmm. of her looking out that window, I mean, out that uh, little hole. But she sees this happening and you can see the rage. You can see everything. Speaking about that transformation, I think that was the best transformation out of the host um, episode because... Definitely. You know, her running and trying to get away and, you know, that was like really, really crazy. But how did you feel about, you know, her walking up on her boss doing this to this I knew it was coming. I I just I knew I knew that scene was going to come one way or the other. 
because um, I I felt she was gonna you know walk up on like a white woman getting assaulted, and she was gonna have to deal with like some confliction. But you know, seeing the other black girl who she already was very critical of earlier, you know, just be straight up sexually assaulted by their boss. You know, and that, like you said, that rage just going in her, that was, I've been waiting for that moment because, you know, the guy was a jerk the whole time. Yes, he was. He was a racist jerk. He was a racist jerk. And, you know, we needed that come up at some point. And I think it's perfect that Ruby, you know, would deal with it because even early on when she's talking to the white women as Hillary, she's like, Oh, has, has he gotten fresh with any of y'all? And they're like, well, I mean, that's his, that's his, that's his fault. And it's like, they knew this was going on. Like doing that to his employees. Yeah. She takes that phone though. And you know, she gets bad. And we have a wonderful resolution or revelation happen. And it's crazy because a lot of people was speculating it. I mean, I think people, I mean, I saw people speculating this revelation happened like what, episode three? And I mean, I think we even talked about it just on like, not on the show, but personally when we were like talking about what we were talk about i think me and you had came across and said you know what it is kind of weird that you know such and such and such and such have not been in the room together you know we'll mm-hmm. see come and then we'll see william come but i don't right. think I feel like we did see them but i don't know like i can't i think that's what i, I think that's what i liked about the writing how they direct it and how they perceive this show because if we did see it, we never saw it because it made it look like they were in the same room, but they really wasn't in the same room. And I think that was the camera magic of the whole, you know, the first three episodes. I feel like we did see them together in Definitely. episode two of the house. Yeah, I saw um, we did. So how did you feel about, oh, you know, man. the uh, Oh, the that. Yeah. Oh, my Where God. You? That scene took me for a ride because, yeah, we talked about it. Like, I swore, you know, I saw them together previously, and I was just like, surely they're working together. Surely, like, something. And then, like, but after uh, what Tick did in episode two and had the castle, you know, completely obliterate, I was like, okay, so what is... So how did he escape? Are they are they working together? But no, no, no. She's just doing a invasion of the body snatchers or a quantum leap on this man. Okay. And I'm just like, oh wow. So they're they're just snatching up bodies for real. And right. just pretending to be, you know, somebody else. And that goes back to what you know, Ruby as Hillary, you know, running around with that body. And I just that was a really great twist. That, yeah. that was that was really fun because you know it kept it kept me on my toes because I just I did not expect that to be the thing that is revealed. I just oof. I kept thinking they were like twins. I think I kept thinking right. they were like twins, and you know yeah. they're like super powerful, and you know mm-hmm. they are twins. I kept thinking I kept looking at them as twins. They both had blind. Blonde, blonde, blonde right. hair, and they both and dressed eyes, to the yeah. had a serious feel about them. So I just thought they were twins. So for yep. that to happen, that was I think that I think that's like top three plot twists of this series. 
Yeah. And then to know that her, uh, as William was having sex with Ruby, you know, that's just another layer to, you know, her basically this whole episode about exploring sexual identity, you know, as well as uh, racial identity. Like this is this was a this was a very heavy episode in terms of identity politics. Right. And it just, you know, this was a very, very clever way to address it. Heavy episode just picking up on a lot of things. Um yep. to end off with this whole episode, because I don't I wanna say a point, but I don't think we found out at this point about what was in the basement. I think it's like mm-hmm. that episode mm-hmm. after that. So I'll yeah. keep that point. Um after, you know, Ruby witnessing, you know, William being just ripped open and you see Christina emerge fully bloody. Um, Christina asks, you know, she asks her, she says, who tells her the currency of her magic is? What what type of freedom do you want for this? And who are you really un Un, I mean, uninterrupted. Like, who are you uninterrupted? Like, what would you do in this body while nobody can really tell you what to do because nobody knows who you are? What would you do? And it says the results is she went back to the store as Hillary and gets revenge on her boss for basically being a sexual predator. And I think that was like a full circle thing because you can get into it because you alluded to it earlier. <laughs> uh, I think I it really was think. For, like say, for Ruby to see that and to handle that. I yeah. think that was like right on the money. You know, don't put yourself in this body again, but go ahead handle okay. it. <laughs> right. Today, if you handle it in your regular body, you is under the jailhouse woman. Like mm-hmm. you are. On. So go ahead, do it in this little fake body. Oh. Do what you got to do. Needed. The streets needed that. You know, I really think she uh, she really put her heel into it. You know, I uh, I can make a bunch of jokes about this. Oh my god, yeah, she really stuck oh. it to him, didn't she? Uh, no, <laughs> so foolish. <laughs> um, no, but it was it was much needed you know like i was saying earlier you know it it had to come to a resolution you know one way or the other and i think this was the best way personally because it's it's very on brand for the show you know that that's exactly what i expected something you know as gruesome as that to happen but you know i think the funniest, the funny, it was funny to me, it wasn't funny to other people, but right after that happened, she sheds the skin, and he's just looking at like, oh my god, what right. is going like, on? Oh, like, that was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious to me. Do this to you. I'm gonna treat you. <laughs> no, it was like, like, that was like, the way they, they went, the way they ended the episode it was full circle because, you know, Ruby has started off shook about this transformation, shook about this potion, and then embracing the potion and everything. And then, like you said, she was out, as her out the cocoon and everything like that. But then I felt like she had to, when she saw that situation happen, she had to, you know, embrace another beauty of who she is as a black woman. Yeah. You know, yeah. she had to stand up for, you know, 
what she feel and how she feels and how, you know, it ain't always going to be greener on the other side. You know, you got to deal with the cards you was dealt and make the most of it. So the fact that she had that Montrose, what'd you say? I said, kind of like with Montrose. Right. Montrose. I'm not getting started (laughs) on him today. I already said, I I feel, I felt for Montrose because I was like, I feel what you're going through, bro. I do. I do. (laughs) Um, I think that that episode was really like you know it was heavy, yeah. you know it touched on some things and I like we the theme was you know transformation metamorphosis you know the caterpillar the cocoon and the butterfly you know being free embracing whatever the situation is I think the writers and Misha they really did really good by you know putting these stories on this episode and bringing them to life and you know having a, you know, a solution, problem, resolution, all that good stuff. Any closing notes for you on this episode? It was, I think this was one of the most polarizing episodes of the of season one, um, you know, in the best way possible. And, you know, I think after this, after this particular episode for me personally, uh, it was nowhere but, like I said earlier, just take, you know, I expect one thing to happen and something else happens. And it's just, it was a perfect, uh, I think that's when they really caught their groove. I'm not saying, you know, it wasn't since episode one, but it really took uh, a wild turn in the best way possible. Yeah. It was a great episode. It did. Cause I was saying a lot of, I've, I've read a lot. I, I'm reading a lot of articles and reading a lot of different things and people were just like, you know, it started off as a, you know, an anthology, but then it just lost mm-hmm. them. Are we all watching the same show? Right. It's, you know, it's going deeper into different characters. That's all it's doing. Same slow shade. It's still the same storyline that main yeah. plot of Runners of Adams and, you know, the book of Adams, but, you know, there is other characters that have to have their own development. And I felt like this was the perfect time. This was the halfway mark of the season. This is the perfect time to, you know, take away Tick and Letty for a couple, you know, for this episode. Like I said, even though we did see them and, you know, they had the rest, you know, they discussed, you know, that the discussion was from Letty, what if he did this to protect us and protect you? And, you know, a, Tick was still fighting with that and everything. So, but to see them be back like secondary characters on this episode and then have Montrose yeah. and Ruby, Ruby as the main and then Montrose as the secondary as main on this episode, I thought it was great yeah. because as we've seen them through the first four episodes, they've been little, they've been on the side, but they've had, you know, when they would come in, they had important pieces. So for them to have this episode together and they both go their own, go through their own transformations. I thought it was a perfect episode. Really, really great. Definitely. So I guess we can uh, wrap episode five. You know, this was the strange case. Uh, you can find us at Twitter at LCB Pod. You can also find us on YouTube. It is Two Lovecraft and Bat. Also. Come see me and Aaron with Mold Diversity. It is our group podcast that we have with a couple of other people where we are an inclusive, we are transparent, 
we bring things in the nerd geek community that a lot of people do not touch on far as the diversity of the multiverse of, of comics and everything. We talk about some real things. Um, we have about, I think, five episodes uploaded on our uh, YouTube channel for more diversity. Um, we do go live every Wednesday night at about 8.15, 8.30. Our last episode we did, which was yesterday, we uh, talked with the writer from This Is Us, and that was amazing. Like, I am still yes. mad because uh, of how that interview went. So check us out on Mo Diversity. Me and Aaron are there with a couple of other friends, and we are having a good time over there. So, yeah. Aaron, what do you want to leave us off with before we sign off? Oh, oh, I got the power. Okay. Um, 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 no pressure. Watch Lovecraft Country, watch Multiversity, or else. Cthulhu will come. Or else. Cthulhu will absolutely come get you. Nair Lasso Temple will come get you. H.P. Lovecraft will probably write a racist story about you. We never know what will happen. But as usual, this is Aaron, Michael, and Michael, your Lovecraft voice. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.